Good morning, Springbrook. It's cold out there. Oh, it's cold. We've got to slowly reintroduce ourselves to cold weather. Uh, I'm so glad you came out today. Do you feel the warmth of the family as you worshiped? No doubt about it. Today we're continuing our parenthood series. I just want you to stop and think for a moment. And I'm going to show you a phrase. And just think about the things that come to your mind as I say it. So there will be a moment of silence here. There we go. I love you. Those are the three most powerful words or phrase in the English language. You know why? Because God set the standard. And what did he say? He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. That's how much he loved us. And today we're going to be talking about a parent's love for their child. Talk about fathers, your role is so critical. Back in the National Center of Fatherhood, uh, they said our research and experience of the National Center of Fatherhood tells us that those three words, I love you, spoken with sincerity and backed up by behavior, can demonstrate support, encouragement, tenderness, and caring as much as anything else. We do as fathers. That's powerful, huh? So you have to say it. Now, in past generations, men were taught not to say it (laughs) to their children. Uh, But the great thing about our culture today is that uh, fathers are much more engaged with their kids, spending more time with them. So it's great to see that happening because that's what God Desires because those kids need that so much. You need to say it, and then you need to do it. You've got to back it up with words. And there are some people here who never heard their father say, I love you, uh, to them. And uh, again, today, we have a much greater uh, practice of encouraging our kids that's taught through our culture. I was thinking of... Uh, uh, the importance of this. And what we see here is a picture called uh, Salvador Mundi. And this piece of art was painted by Leonardo da Vinci back in the early 1500s. In fact, he has uh, the dress of that particular day he's wearing. And it sold this week for $450 million. Wow. That's an expensive painting. There's only 20 originals that we have of Leonardo da Vinci. And there's 10 that have been sold back and forth. And this is one of them. This was just discovered in the last decade. It had disappeared. And... uh, they were able to find it and sold it. So like for, uh, I think it was $150 million back in 2013. But this, 
No painting. No one has paid so much for a painting in art history. $450 million. It was $400 million for the painting and $50 million for taxes and services. <laughs> $50 million, all right? Why? Because it's a da Vinci. It's a classic. It's priceless. Well, not really priceless. Somebody put a price. All right. At Christie's and an auction there. So that's an amazing picture. But friends, moms and dads, you have been given, or entrusted that is, with these beautiful children that you have in your lives. God gave them to you for a time, for a time in order that you might love them, in order that you might encourage them, in order that you might be able to mold them into a a life that, that God is pleased with. That's why it takes so long, right? Eighteen years. Again, and the impression you make on your children is so critical. That's what we want to talk about today. Talk about the blessing. The blessing was a practice in the Old Testament where the father would come and bless his sons. And what Gary Smalley did in his book, you might have read it, it's an older book, but he talked about how we can give a special blessing to our children, how we can follow a template based on what we see in the Old Testament. So he's going to, we're going to look at the different factors that go into the blessing. And the first thing is a meaningful touch, a meaningful touch. There was a little girl who, uh, in the midst of a storm, ran up and jumped into her mom and dad's bed. And they were just talking. And, and the father said, God is always with you. And she said, well, I know that, but I need someone with skin on right now. <laughs> Friends, Human touch is the foundation of every relationship. When you think about a child who starts out as an infant, and you think about that first five years, how much contact does that child have with its mother? Whether you're breastfeeding or I mean, you have to carry the child quite a bit, right? And that is so important to the development of a child, that they bond with you and they bond with other people. We've all heard stories of infants who've been left alone and they've just died. They've just died because they didn't have enough love. In Genesis 27:26, then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So this is Jacob, named Isaac. He says, Come here and kiss me, my son. So that is. The touch that's involved in giving the blessing. If you look at the celebrate, celebratory touches in the NBA, you got fist bumps and high fives and chest bumps, leaping shoulder bumps, chest punches, head slaps, head grabs, low fives, high tens, full hugs, half hugs, and team huddles. <laughs> that's a lot of touching going on, right? And 
researchers have studied different teams and they found that the teams who touched each other the most were the teams that won because it built morale. It built a sense of triumph and momentum and like they were all on a team together because they were touching each other. It's amazing. Genesis 48:14, And Israel, Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn. So we see Jacob here, and uh, he is giving the blessing to Joseph's sons, or his grandsons. And it was all about touching, touching their heads. It's so important that we continue to touch our children throughout their lives. Of course, a lot of it happens naturally. Anybody play horsey with their kids? Somebody out there has got to, you know, the kid gets on your back, right? I mean, am I the only one? <laughs> Is this just a strange tradition we had in our family? Nobody's ever heard about yeah, I can remember. Oh, horsey. Oh, they had a blast. And I was dying, man. I was just dying. I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. But I did it because, of course, I wanted to uh, play with my children. And we just need to touch our children, no matter how old they are. Sometimes what happens is when they move into uh, adolescence, uh, they don't want to be touched. And so you stop touching them. But it's critical that you continue to touch them. When they do uh, studies of girls who are promiscuous, it many times relates back to the relationship to the father and how he was absent or non-emotional. When your kids get older, they can tussle their hair, right? Give them big hugs, even if they're just, they don't want a hug. Just sneak it in there. <laughs> Right? You just keep on loving them in that way, even though they might not even want to speak to you. Right? Now, if they say, don't touch me at all, you might have to consider that. But <laughs> it's important for us. And it's important for everybody. In fact, if you're going to be healthy, you need ten touches a day. Ten touches a day. And it's proven that this uh, lowers blood pressure and does a lot of good things in the body. That's how much touch we need. Are you getting ten touches a day? I'd encourage you to become more of a uh, uh, touching family, one might say. Because it means so much to the kids. You communicate something through the power of touch than you do anything else. In fact, if you, look at your hand right now. Look at your hand. Isn't that an amazing Amazing part of your body. All the things you can do with it. There's 500 million touch sensors in the body. And a third of them are in your hand. So what did God make this for? <laughs> he made it for touching, right? Relating to other people. Loving other people. And you know, it's a simple thing. Just say, okay, I'm going to touch my kids more. 
And again, it doesn't stop when, when they reach adulthood. My kids come home and I give them a big hug. and They don't wrestle anymore because that's a lost cause for me. Uh. <laughs> well, that's what we did when they were younger. But just continue that up and just, you know, be strategic about it uh, if the child is sensitive towards it or your, your adult child. Because see, that's a great thing about this whole concept of the blessing is that you don't have to have young kids. Your kids can be 50. <laughs> and you can still bless them in the ways that we're going to be talking about this morning. And even if you don't have kids... You can bless other people by using these proven techniques that God has given us. Jesus Christ was always touching people. He touched over 20 people just in healing them. The most interesting case was when a leper came to him. And if you know about that culture, lepers uh, were unclean. They couldn't be... Uh, in the temple or, or on the temple grounds, that is. And if they did come into town, they would have to cry, unclean, unclean. So everybody would know that this is a leper because leprosy was very contagious. So what they did is they lived in a leper colony. And we read, and a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So he's stepping out in faith here. I know you can make me clean. I know you can heal my leprosy. Moved with pity or compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus Christ was willing to do something that no other person would do, and that is to touch a leper. I mean, that was a death sentence that Jesus Christ touched him. Or you think of the woman with the bleeding problem for like 12 years, and, and she just wanted to touch Jesus Christ, and she knew she would be healed, and the power went out from Jesus Christ. And of course, it transformed her life. And her health. The second part of the blessings. So first of all, it's important to touch your children, and especially if you're, you, know, you can do this in a lot of different ways. And sometimes you can do it kind of in a more formal way, and uh, maybe even make an event out of it. Uh, there's a, a website called the Blessing, theblessing.com. So write that down and check that out, and that will give you instructions or more ideas on how you can bless your children, and even making an event out of it. But the spoken message is so critical. The young child has no clear picture of himself. He sees himself only in the mirror of his parents' evaluation of himself. He will act out what is expected of him. Counselor Cecil Osborne. Now read that again. That, that, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Let's hear from a parent of young kids. He has no clear picture of himself. All he can do is look at you and figure out what's going on in life. 
Now, one thing I want to say here is that, uh, you know, God has given us tremendous grace. And maybe you made some mistakes, as we all do, in parenting as you listen to this message. But just remember that, that God forgives, doesn't He? We don't go around with guilt. There's no reason for that, right? Because we've already been forgiven. So you acknowledge it to the Lord, agree with Him that it was something wrong, and then you let it go. I know it's hard to let go, but ask God to give you that. Because we're all sinners. Now, we're talking about the optimum type of experience here. And we usually don't live at the optimum level. <laughs> but we encourage each other, right, to do with that. So, again, I just want to encourage you, don't, you know, go on a guilt trip here. If you need to confess it, that's fine. Then you're free of it because God forgave that sin on the cross. How you maybe mistreated your children, or you didn't pay enough attention to them, and just realize that if you're a Christ follower, if you have chose Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that His blood on the cross covers those sins. But you can do something if you have adult children. Uh, to talk to them and confess, hey, I didn't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Please forgive me. And I tell you what, if you say that to your child and they have a father wound, uh, again, the idea of a father wound is the absent father. Four out of ten kids don't have a father in their home. Four out of ten kids. Don't have a father in the home. You've got physical absence. You've got emotional absence. There's a lot of dads that are home, but they are not present emotionally. They come in, have dinner, watch TV, and just don't pay any attention to the kids. We just need to, we need to depend on Jesus Christ. And that's another key thing I want you to understand is that you can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we look at this and say, well, I've got to try harder. Well, the first thing you need to do is depend upon the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with the motivation and the desire to love my kids. Show me what to do. Show me how to impact their lives. I pray you'd empower me because everything we talk about when it comes to the Christian life is powered by the Holy Spirit if we're walking in Him. James 3.5 talks about the power of the tongue, what we say to people. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Again, it's a small member, right? Very small compared to the rest of our body, but it can unleash terrible things in people's lives. There's a picture of Rebecca, Rebecca Sedwick. Several years ago, uh, she was being bullied at school down in Florida. Maybe you remember this from the news. And for some reason there was another girl, I think it was over a boyfriend or something. And she and another friend just 
bullied her. Not only in person, but of course spread bad news about her. And, and of course on the internet we hear cyberbullying now. And these, these girls would say on some type of, uh, you know, communication, Facebook, whatever, why don't you just kill yourself or text? Why don't you just die? So they continued to say this to her. And finally one day she had had enough and she texted to a friend and says, I'm tired. I can't take it anymore. And she jumped off the roof of a concrete plant. Words can kill, can't they? In fact, two of the girls were charged with aggravated assault, but they were later let go in the counseling program. And uh, Wow, kids can really be nasty to each other, right? They're a little more adept as adults. We can be nasty, but we can kind of, you know, passive-aggressive or whatever way it might come out. But our words are so very, very critical. James 3, 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Friends, how we speak to our, our children, and if we're negative and we're calling them names, even swearing at them, and we've got to stop right there. Because if you swear at your children, that is wrong. That, there's so many things wrong about that. All right? So, I know it's tough sometimes when they're really driving you up the wall and creating a lot of frustration in your life. But no name calling and no swearing. And maybe that's an area where you need to start. I gotta stop swearing at my kids. I gotta stop calling them names that demean them. Because remember, they take that information in. I mean, how many of us can remember our father or our mother? saying something negative about us. You remember that? They called you a name. or Not necessarily that they were you know, trying to hurt you, but uh, it wasn't positive for you. It wasn't the healthy thing a parent should do. In fact, some of you are still trying to please your dads. Right? That father wound, I want the approval of my father. And again... You're never going to get it because your dad maybe has died. And sometimes, as dads grow older, they become a little more sensitive if they're insensitive in that area. But it's so important, especially when we're under stress and we're in conflict with our kids, to be very careful in the words we use because you're teaching them how to deal with conflict. And they're going to deal with conflict the same way that you deal with conflict. Sometimes I listen to my voices, or excuse me, I listen to my kids' voices, and uh, I can hear me. That's me. That's where they learn that. 
That's where they learn that tone. That's where they learn <laughs> that approach. And I think, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're all imperfect. And our kids do pick up a lot from us, and we can't be perfect parents. We're all sinners, saved by God's grace if we've made that choice. But it gets scary as you're older. <laughs> say, wow. Uh, there are good things as well, but uh, the things that are a little more negative, uh, we, we notice more. He goes on, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You know, we think about parental abuse. Mm. Uh, so painful to think about or hear about. Doing that to your child. And, and what that parent is doing is they're setting a fire in that child's life that's going to impact them to the day they die. Unless, uh, again, Christ comes in and heals that. But, you know, words never go away in our memories, right? I mean, we can forgive a person for saying something, but once you've said it, it's there. And it's not going away. And sometimes I've received criticism in the past, and it's interesting that when I'm involved in something, sometimes I remember what a person said about me and how negative they were. Isn't that weird how the mind works? And it's why it's so important we be careful in how we communicate with our children and what we teach them. Genesis 49:28. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father, Jacob, said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. So if you study Genesis 49, you'll see, it, you'll see, um, you'll see Jacob blessing all of his twelve children, or the twelve tribes of Judah. And it's a great chapter to read because it gives illustrations on how he blessed his children. He said, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you've gone up. He stooped down. He crouches a lion as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? What's going on here, right? You're communicating to a child a, really a word picture of who they are, how you see them. You're like a lion, Judah. And, of course, Judah was the most honored tribe because, again, Christ came down through that ancestry. You're a lion's cub. You're strong. You can take on a lot in life. You'll be ready to attack life. And there's so many things we could pull out of that. But, again, you know that Judah remembered that. As his dad shared that with him at the time of this blessing. Naphtali is a doe let loose, hat bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the walls. Again, if we were back in that culture, we could understand more of what uh, that imagery means. But the idea is that we do it with our own kids. We tell them how special they are. 
And, and again, the world's not telling them how special they are, right? The world's just saying perform, perform, perform. And it's important that they perform, but it's more important that you love them just the way that they are, like God loves them. Again, words can be so painful. There was a short story written by an Idaho teacher called A Cipher in the Snow. And I'd encourage you to read it. But just briefly, it's about a boy, a teenager. And he was on a bus, the Milford Corners bus. And his math teacher was right behind him. And what happened was is the bus stopped. And he got out of the bus and just kind of tumbled into the snow and died. So the teacher ran out, the driver ran out. Uh, determined that he was dead. And he was so ashen. He was so pale. And as they found out more about this boy, they found out that that math teacher was his favorite teacher, even though he hadn't talked to her in two years. And that, that's an example for us all as we model the Christian life. You never know what kid is watching you. And what God's going to do with the positive things you do or say to impact their lives on this earth. So, if you don't have any children, you know, get to know the children in our church and, you know, bless them, encourage them. Ask about what's going on in their lives. Right? These kids are out of the way. <laughs> no, embrace the kids, right? Love them. So what this teacher did, who was the favorite math teacher, she didn't even know it, is she put a memorial together, and she owned, I think she couldn't find anyone who could speak to this child's love, uh, heart, because he was unloved. And she asked around and communicated with people, he was very quiet and and the point of the story is that no one ever loved him. And that's why he died. He had a stepdad that was uninvolved in his life. Yeah. The power of what you say to your kids or don't say is very, very significant. We've talked many times about how difficult it is for our children to go to public school and all the misinformation there and uh, the way kids can treat each other. You know, I remember raising my boys and each was very different and each had different needs. But through the power of the Spirit, I, I, I sought to make their journey smooth. I did everything I could. If I heard of them being bullied or anything, I'd get right on top of it. and You know, I'd get, get together with that friend or that's not happening. You can't totally, obviously, protect them. But you can really focus on that and pray for your children. Pray for your children every day. Every day. Who else is praying for your child? Maybe grandparents or something like that, but maybe nobody. 
And the most beautiful gift you can give to your child is to pray for them. To pray that God would bless their lives. That God would help them to grow in maturity. And that they would establish a vital relationship with Him. Now we here want to help you. We're teaming up. It's all about discipleship. Right? We're a disciple-making family. And that's why we come together and what happens in this hour is just a small snapshot of what Springbrook is all about. they got all kinds of activities going on because we want to help you disciple your children. There are a few of them. On Sunday morning, we have Kids City uh, for the little ones. And we have the youth group. The teens are with us today. It's great to have you guys. Uh, right now, uh, Pastor Matt and two other guys taking maybe 15 to 20 kids to a retreat center uh, for Hero Up. And the whole point of the retreat is to teach these young boys, uh, high schoolers, about purity. Because the culture is constantly teaching them about purity and things we don't (laughs) approve of, right? You know, it's going to bring pain to their lives. But here, the youth pastor... That you, through your gifts, make it, make it possible for him to minister to teens all week long. I tell you, Matt, oh, he's just great. I remember my youth pastor, and uh, Matt reminds me a lot of him. Somebody who just loved the kids so much, and he has such a heart for kids and where they're at, and he can read them so well. It's fascinating to talk with them sometimes. And if you have a child that's junior high, middle school, high school, and they're not attending the group, whatever, talk to Matt. Give Matt a call this week and say, how can I... I know what it's like, right? I mean, some kids will not go to anything without a friend. <laughs> They've got to have a friend. And, and yeah, kids are all different. They have different levels of comfort in terms of being introduced into a group. But I can tell you that Matt will do his best to introduce your child into our youth group. Not like they're all perfect kids, right? (laughs) But I tell you what, there are leaders uh, that come out. We see uh, tonight is Thrive, where we have our Praise and Pie night, so they'll be joining us. And Thursday night is Jam for Middle Schoolers. And Matt is there with his wife, Jessica, this is incredible, and all the other people who are leading the small groups. These kids come and they have a good time. They laugh. It's just kind of fun to see them around church, just enjoying each other. Because this is a great place for them to be. Because you have a community that's focused on loving and encouraging and discipling. These kids, first we have Wednesday night Awana, and as I've encouraged people before, you want your kids connected to the church. Uh, Because, especially kids, you know, there's something about them uh, that makes people want to make fun of them for whatever reason. And it's so painful. Well, as they come out to Springbrook, hopefully, I can't guarantee anything, but they're going to experience love and acceptance. So 
we're going back to the blessing. We've got meaningful touch, a spoken message, and then attaching high value to the one being blessed. We look at Psalm 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. What are we doing when we worship God? We're, again, attaching high value to Him. The fact that you would come out today, there's a lot of things you can do on Sunday morning. The best thing is sleep, I assume. <laughs> Read the paper or whatever. But you chose not to do that because you know that God had called you to come to worship Him. And so you hear because God is important in your life. And I want to encourage you in that. That you came out today because God loves that. He loves when we worship Him together. So, so we're attaching value to God when we bless His name. We look at Genesis 27, 27 through 28. So He came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of, my, smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Uh, they, they were farmers, right? Agrarian society. So what better... I don't know if we can relate to this. <laughs> what better, you know... But the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. See, that's, that's a word picture. That's a word picture. You're communicating. He was communicating to his child that God has blessed you incredibly. But he uses a word picture to do that. I think of my son, Wesley, I think in the second service. And Wesley's just turned 25. Wow. He's an accountant at Plant Moran. And if I were to do this with Wes, I would get a, a kaleidoscope. Everybody remember what a kaleidoscope is? <laughs> that's really all you look through. I mean, you turn and you get all the different colors. That, that, that's who Wesley is. He's full of creativity. It's unbelievable the gift that God has given him. He loves movies. He loves making videos movies. Uh, again, you've seen some of the videos that he's made for our church. He does a great job because God has given him that gift of creativity. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would take that kaleidoscope and I'd look in there, Wes. That's how I see you. You're just full of color. You're full of creativity. You are very special. You are unique. So that's Again, the idea of an everyday object you would use. So, word pictures, use an everyday object. So, find like a kaleidoscope and show it to your child and say, Hey, when I look at this, it reminds me of you because. And again, you can do this with your wife or spouse or friend. You can bless anybody. We all need blessing, right? The more blessings, the better. So, if we start blessing people, other people are going to see that and want to do that themselves. So, use an everyday object. Now, Song of Solomon, 
is a wonderful book in the Old Testament that speaks of a love relationship between Solomon and another woman. And what he says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Now, for guys, the doves is okay. I'm not sure if she'd appreciate your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> yeah, that's an insult in our culture. But that's what you do is you take something that's so common in life that they'll see and remember. And you say, you're like this thing. When I look at this thing, it reminds me of you. Then you want to match an object with that trait. Match an object with that trait. In the Song of Solomon again, your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stones, and on it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. The Tower of David could be seen anywhere in Jerusalem. Just a tower that went up. And... uh, yeah, what does that say? That, that, that the woman that he's in love with is a strong woman. She's got a, she's got a good sense of herself, and, and, and she's a leader. I think of my son Wesley again in the kaleidoscope, right, in terms of taking that everyday object and match an object trait. So, what you want to do with whoever you're going to bless, okay, uh, you think of their traits. So, you sit down and you think about a particular person and you think about, okay, what, who are they to me? How do I see them? And you just write different things down. And what you do at the end is you take the two characteristics that Jump off the page to you. I mean, it's very easy to write about that characteristic. Maybe they're funny. Maybe they're wise. <laughs> uh, maybe they're very caring. Like for a little girl, maybe she would be ca- want to be called a mama cat if they have cats. Because a mama cat takes care of her kitties. And this, this little girl is very caring. And she wants to help everyone out. But when you put it in a word picture like a mama kitty... It, it sticks in their brain, right? It's all about association. And so you point two of those out, and, and then whatever way you choose, you, you communicate that to your child. The third thing is word pictures unravel our defenses. So this, this really is a good thing for marriage, you know, because you know, if you've been married a while, right, you know, uh, you kind of get into the routine, and, and it's just a, guys, it's a romantic thing, all right? All right write down all the traits of your wife. Don't write the bad ones. Uh, just write the good ones, right? You know, and find out what's special to her, who she is, and then take her on a date and share it there. A card or there's all kinds of creative things. You can do. Just ask a creative person. (laughs) 
uh, word figures unravel our defenses. Now, this is what she says about herself. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. So what her brothers do? said, you're taking care of all the vineyards. Forget about your vineyard. And so she was out in the sun all the time. So was, she, was, uh, she was darker than most people, let's say. And she was self-conscious about that. Well, Solomon goes on to say many, many things about her. And by chapter 2, what we see is, what is she saying? I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. What color are lilies? They're white, right? Boy, Solomon did a great job, didn't he? Because you can help a, a person change how they view themselves and view their purpose in life and, and uh, what they're going to do uh, for God. So what I'm trying to say is when you do a word picture, it's, it's kind of a different way to communicate. And, and something, God uses that in a person's mind and heart. Next thing is to point out a person's potential. Point out a person's potential. We see Matthew 6.18, And I tell you that you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, Peter was a leader of the early church. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's really kind of humorous when you think about Peter's life. He really wasn't a rock. <laughs> <laughs> foot and mouth disease, uh, just doing things impulsively. And, but Jesus Christ speaks to the future. You are a rock. Now, what do you think that's going to do to Peter as he, he hears that, as he processes through that, as he follows Jesus? Well, he feels terrible, obviously, that he denied that he knew Jesus. And Jesus reestablishes a relationship with him on the seashore. After he was resurrected. But I tell you, as you look at Peter, as he is a leader of the early church and all the challenges that come their way, he is a rock. So you, you might even want to take a weakness in a child's life. And you see potential in that. And you might do that. I mean, Peter certainly wasn't a rock, but uh, Jesus Christ said he was going to, tur- uh, <clears throat> that he was like a rock. And that's what he was in leadership in the early church. Then you want to picture a special future for the one being blessed. A special future. Judah again. Jacob is talking to twelve sons. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on your neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. I think of my son Wes again. And he's so creative that he's an accountant with Plant Moran. That's how creative he is, right? <laughs> they don't seem to match, right? But he decided that he get some really good business skills, and then he could follow his creativity with those skills. You know, a lot of kids go to Columbia and move out to Hollywood and that type of thing, and, you know... Again, the odds are not good, and it's very sad because there's so many beautiful hearts 
that are just crying out to express who they are. And uh, so he, he was thinking about maybe going out to Hollywood and, you know, video production, whatever, just some way to be involved. And, uh, you know, but he decided to go to uh, Plan Moran and uh, who knows what the future will hold. And we've talked about that before. You know, we talked about it. God is going to... God, you see, here's the thing. This is the benefit we have as Christ followers. We know that God wants the best for our kids. I mean, if you don't have God in the picture, I mean, that <laughs> doesn't help, right? But if you know that there's the God that's going to be with them until they die or until they're raised up, right, to Christ, you can say it's hopeful. I mean, a lot of things... As we look at the United States into the future, uh, don't seem so rosy. But again, that doesn't matter because your child can flourish in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship. And just, just you know, if you have young children, just remember they're going to grow up to be adults. <laughs> it's not happening fast enough right now for you, but that's going to happen. And it happens so fast. And that's why you need to tell them about what their potential is. Because if you don't introduce into a child's mind what their potential is, where are they going to go? Well, they're just going to follow, you know, wherever people are guiding them to make decisions. And this is, again, why it's so important to develop that strong, uh, help them cultivate a strong relationship with God. And again, many times they might walk away from it, high school or college. Uh, but many times they come back when they first have a child. And I tell you, if your child is a prodigal or if your child is not engaged in his relationship with Christ, you know, if you had an opportunity to lay the groundwork for how they view the world, their Christian worldview, uh, they remember that. They might reject it for now. But many times they do come back to the Holy Spirit's power. And then an act of commitment to fulfill the blessing. So you've got to do it, right? I tell you what, I'm an idea guy, and I love to read books, and I love to listen to podcasts. Great idea, great idea, great idea, great idea. What I've learned in life is you've got to pick a couple ideas and actually carry it out. You know, to stay on track for a year with this wonderful idea. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is your power to do it, do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again tomorrow. I will give it. When you have it with you. So take action today. Go to the website, website The Blessing. Read Genesis 49. Listen to this message over again if you need to. But do something. If the Lord's leading you in that way, now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of raising children. This is so fun. and Lord, I just pray that all of us, as we leave here today, would have one person in mind that we're going to bless in that way. Take an ordinary object and connect it to a trait of who they are and then... uh, Communicate that to them and their potential and their special future. But help us to do it today. To start today because tomorrow 
It might just be another idea that your Holy Spirit would work in Christ's name. Amen.